Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blue Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And our City continue on this dazzling winning run. We've got two more victories to discuss, a 3-1 win against Everton in midweek and a hard-fought 1-0 win at the weekend at the Emirates against the Arsenal. Uh, to discuss that and much more, I've got three guests. Um, Dave Hodgson. Dave, welcome to the show. Good evening. Uh, welcome also to Nick Goldstone. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nigel. And also welcome to David Blakeney. Hi, Nigel. Uh, I've got so we've got a Dave and a David. Uh, uh, David Blakeney, who I've known longer than Dave Hodgson, has never been Dave in his life. I don't think. Have you? No. Have you ever been Dave to anybody at yes. any time? At any oh, one God. person. Go on, Victor. Oh, does he call you Dave? The only person. Everyone else calls me Blakes, and he calls me Dave. All right, Blakes or David will do for tonight. And what yeah. about Dave Hodgson? Then have you ever been David? I'm easy. I don't mind. And, uh, and, and Nicholas Goldstone has never been Nicholas Goldstone either, I suspect. But look on only, his face. Only to my mother when I've been naughty, but I've never been Dave. <laughs> That's a relief. Good. Listen, let's, let's crack on. Let us start Sorry. with... I just, I just want to start with some of these records. What, 18th win on the trot, 11 successive away victories, 23 clean sheets, unbeaten in 25 games. I mean, it, listen, Dave as opposed to David or Blake's. Dave, how good is this team? Just start us off with how good is this team, please? Well, I think we've got to describe them as history-making. I mean, the way in which we're performing, the records we're breaking, and the panache with which we're delivering these results is just, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a miracle, particularly in such an unusual and difficult situation. Pep seems to have found a formula to not only make the best of a difficult situation, but break records entertain and you know I, I i'm i'm yeah particularly given the way we started the season i'm amazed that we've been able to do this so you know i'm i'm staggered to be honest nick your your view on this team um i, I mean obviously phenomenal um since late november or whenever this run started i guess all the more phenomenal is the sort of the the change from earlier in the season to, to now, because it's been just so profound. Um, it's difficult to give anything more definitive at this point in time, because we've got to wait and see how we end up um, at the end of the season. Uh, and I guess, you know, in many ways we've seen, we've been fortunate enough to see some wonderful teams in recent years as well. So, uh, in quite how they're going to match up is going to come down to you know when when things really start to matter in some very very big games that are hopefully going to uh, to transpire over the next few weeks and months. I, w w one thing I don't quite understand is where this brand new record suddenly came from of being the team with the most consecutive wins since the first of January. It's all of a sudden it's become some enormously important record that we've achieved 
according to the, our our pundits on on TV, which I don't think anyone had ever heard of before. But. No, uh, records are there to be broken, I think, <laughs> as somebody once said. Uh, Blake's. Yeah, I think my view is we're not quite there at the 100-point season, um, but we're on our way. We obviously won't get the 100 points, but um, considering where we started, quite it's still, I can't quite believe it. I think, funny enough, our we- some of our weaknesses have become our great strengths, and some of our great strengths have now suddenly become some of our weaknesses, ironically. Explain what that means, please, to, our, to, to, to both of our listeners. Well, I think, firstly, our weakness was defence, and that's become quite incredible um, this year. Some of the players, like your Cancelos and even your Rodri's, who we might have regarded slightly weaker last year, have become great strengths. We've got Foden in now, and not that he was a weakness, but we've used him and he's become a strength. But I, I think some of our attacking flair and a couple of our... Um, forwards, in my opinion, have a little bit weakened than they've been previously. And I think, you know, people like Jesus isn't quite on fire and some of the other attackers aren't quite on fire. And we're almost getting through it uh, in spite of some of uh, some of the weak links, I would say, there. So um, if we got that far in, it would be unbelievable, but still pretty good. Nick, what's your what's your view of what David's saying? Well, I just wanted to just I think the the, the definitive um, record apparently, and this was in the Telegraph today, is that um, the longest ever run of wins in club football in all competitions is twenty four, which was set ten was years a team ago. Team in Brazil, wasn't it? I think. By, yeah, a club called Coritiba in Brazil 10 years ago. So I guess that's the one to, uh, that's the one to break. For those, of course, none of us had ever heard of that record before, but now, now we know it's there, so it needs breaking. Well, the, well, records are here to be broken. They're made to be broken, Nick. I don't know if you've heard that before, but that's, that's important. Uh, Dave, Blake's talks about this, uh, the, the, the centurions, and, and we're not as good as that. Is it, would that... Would that be your view? Is it too early to tell sort of at this stage of the season or do you think we actually have got potential to even be seen as better than that side? Well, I mean, the remarkable thing with the Centurions was the fact they managed to sustain such a high level of performance across a season. I think given some of the unique circumstances around this season, it was always going to be a tougher ask to do that here when the games are so packed together. You know, every club is having, you know, meaningful, you know, both injuries due to the faster um the faster run of fixtures and you know of course you know players getting you know having to take breaks with you know when they test positive for covid so it's very difficult to get that momentum going in maybe the way it was in previous seasons and this season was always going to be defined by a couple of yeah you know, if a side could get a run of form together while everyone was sort of slipping and sliding so i think if we were to isolate say the last two months they probably compare favourably with any other period under Pep Guardiola. I think if we were talking about how they, you know, the achievement of that one season, it's going to be very difficult to top that because we always say that, you know, try, uh, side being able to establish that consistency is the real hallmark of a great team. And for many different reasons, it was always going to be difficult to showcase that this year. But in terms of the style of football we've put together, some of the quality of some of the performances, I think this run has been as good as it's been. Blakes, can we can we start at Arsenal then? Can we can we talk about yeah. the Arsenal game? And obviously, a, a great start, an early goal. The first twenty minutes were just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, uh, and then it was kind of more of a bit more of a battle, and and that's where the defence, which has been superb this season, as we said, came to the fore. Yeah, your reflections on on the Arsenal game, Blake? Yeah, I think it was a battle. I think part of the issue probably was, you know, we had KDB playing in a not his usual position. We had Gundo not in the position he'd been uh, his most successful. Uh, and I think the little changes in personnel in, in what we had yesterday probably slightly upset the apple cart a bit. Um, but it was a professional. We weren't brilliant, but we, we got the job done. But it was a solidness that we just, you know, we just weren't worried too much. I mean, I'm always worried, I have to say, but that back four is just remarkable. And, um, 
you know, they, you know, if you look at listen to most of the pundits, they couldn't see Arsenal scoring. Um, so, you know, very good. It's just a, a I mean, that's a, a, a winner's, uh, you know, if you're ever going to win a, champ, a league, that's how you win it. And Pep said that, Nick, didn't he? You know, he talked about the fact that we can't win three or four nil every single week. And, and sometimes the one nil victories are kind of the more satisfying in a way. I'm not sure if I felt that, like that as a fan watching that compared with some of our three and four nil victories. But you have got to win like this sometimes to win a league. Well, sure. Um, you know, there are one nils and there are one nils. That game was, I mean, there's lots of talking points I think we went a little bit from the sublime to the ridiculous the, the first five ten minutes was just stunning we should have had at least one or two more goals uh, and then it, you know it was very much a sort of dismissive sort of sort of performance Arsenal really didn't matter it could have been anyone that we were playing in uh, in in uh, one sense the fact that it was played out as as that we toyed with them much of the game I think was really more a case of we just didn't we just didn't put the chances away uh, 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 um, and frankly we gave them a little bit too much of of a, an opportunity to to get back into the game just by stint by into the fact that we couldn't get 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 another goal you know there were I thought there were one or two signs where we were just getting a little dangerously close to the line of cocky versus confident um i thought we there were patches and there were instances where we where we really uh, uh, um got overly confident i thought you know i don't like the way that stones and diaz were strolling across the halfway line deep into their half with the ball it looks great everybody has a bit of a laugh but you get tripped up doing that eventually and then there was that one instance with cancelo hooping the ball up in the air and Edison just sort of taking a big punt at it on his goal line, which was absolutely bizarre. Um, but I just think it, it felt like we were overly dismissive and a little bit too cocky. And I, uh, you know, I don't want that to be repeated in the next two, three games. It's just not necessary. We are that good, but we need to make sure that we get the result on, in every single game. Did you see it that way, Dave? Cocky? Is that how you describe it? I think there's a certain... Cockiness is probably not a bad word for it. We certainly came out there with a real purpose. You could see that particularly in Sterling. Arguably, he should have made you know more, more hay while the sun was shining. Um, I think we do lose something on the... Um, on the urgency when Foden isn't on the pitch. There's a particular bite and urgency to his game, and you can see that sort of youthful hunger there. And I think we, you know, there was perhaps a point where I thought maybe it was a chance to bring him on. Maybe he could showcase a little bit more of that urgency because we certainly seem to lack that um, towards the later stages. Defensively, I think there, there is a little bit of cockiness in there. I was a little bit unsure what Cancelo was doing at points. Certainly Stones at, at various different points seems to be perhaps playing with a little too much confidence. Um, Arsenal were not a bad side. There are some players in that squad that could have really punished us, and I, I did have some worries at points. But I think there's one of the things that really showcased is how much Diaz has added in this sense, because players are feeling that much more confident. Can you imagine us this time last year discussing confidence being the main problem in our defence, that there was too much confidence and that they were playing, playing tricks like this? This is not what we would have imagined. So I think in some ways it's a sign that there is that, that sort of assurance in the sense that players know what their roles are and that they can rely on each other, which has been a real catalyst this season. But I think that's something they're going to have to, particularly in the Champions League, make sure they make, they monitor and doesn't allow to creep into our game too much. So, so Blake, let's start with the defence, can we? we? We talked about this kind of most weeks for obvious reasons and there's this amazing sort of clean sheets that we've been having. We'll come on to the Everton game where we conceded, of course, which we'll do half an hour on conceding a goal at some point during this yeah. particular podcast. Um, but, but let's just sort of focus on on the defence, which clearly has been built around Diaz, who already looks like a leader, people comparing him with company and so on. How, how do you see it? How, how, how good is he? How good is this, is this defence? Oh, I think it's brilliant. I think uh, I think Zinchenko has been a real star. I mean, 
he doesn't get much credit, but I think he's really helped us. Yeah, because with Mendy there, he was always a bit of a liability. I think Cancelo is a fantastic footballer. I, I, watching him, he's unbelievable. He's so, not a fullback, though, David, is he? He's not. not he's exactly not really, but he does the job. He does the job, and I—that's my favourite back four at the moment. Diaz is just a leader. I mean, Diaz is a, is a. We talk about Cotney, but he's a Van Dyke, isn't he? Let's face it. He's doing exactly for us what Van Dyke did for Liverpool, and the and and Stones has been brilliant. And the fact we have got Ake to come back, who's hardly played. We've got. <laughs> You know, it, it's the strength in depth now in the back four is keeping a them all on the toes in that back four anyway because they know others can come in. But I think it, I think it's quite remarkable to watch, and they've got this height there. And you know, so often in the past we just haven't had any height at the back. We've got a bit of height there, and I think that makes a huge difference as well. We don't look like conceding, do we, Nick? Really? No, no. I'm no. interested to bring Nick in to, to see his view. And yes, you can talk about being a little bit cocky, and I, I, I disagree with you about going over the the halfway line. I mean, that's that's what that's what footballing centre backs do. You know, that that's what Stones has always had. The that was actually doing that. That, by the way, that was majestic. Stones had three runs yesterday. It was majestic. Oh, what that was, you tell him? You tell him, Blake. You that tell was him that was amazing. I mean, I and he didn't look like losing it. It's a, I don't disagree. It's a wonderful crowd pleaser, it, but there's a bit of showboating to it for me. I think it, it does look, they both look majestic on the ball, let's face it. But, you know, you make those runs, you lose possession, and all of a sudden you've got no defence behind you. That's sort of, that, you know, I think that's, that's, that's the issue around that. But, uh, I mean, look, I think defensively we have been awesome um it's partly down to the way that the whole team has adjusted in the way that they're playing and that we're getting more defensive cover in front of the back four um Cancelo is one of the most talented footballers we've had at the club um and I think his potential is absolutely enormous I completely agree that he's I'm not entirely convinced that he's a fullback or a defender of any kind, um, but he's a phenomenal player. And the role that he's been given right now to just kind of roam around and go where he pleases is fantastic to watch. Um, it, you know, there were, I think, when when it comes to the game yesterday, where I just found myself myself taking one or two little sharp intakes of breath was when Saka and Tierney got the space and the opportunity to exploit down Cancelo's side. And really, you know, that was kind of the, uh, of a Death Star moment with, with all of our power and our force and our ability. That was where there was a little weakness, a little chink of, in the armour that could possibly be exploited. And that's what you've always got when... Cancelo's playing is just the fact that when when the chips are really down as a defender, he, he, he you do wonder whether there's something to exploit there. But what he gives to the team in return is so huge that you've just got to live with that. Uh, um, Dave, Dave oh, thanks, Nate. I just want Dave to help us out because we're talking about this amazing defence with 23 clean sheets and, and Nick has managed to find a small chink of something negative to talk about, <laughs> which is a great skill for which he is to be congratulated. Uh, Dave, get us back onto reality here and talk about, help us talk about this amazing defence, this, um, these amazing records that continue to be broken because they need to be broken because that's why they're there. Uh, I think we know what the title of this show is going to be. Um, just so, Dave, your, your your views then, particularly with the, with the Arsenal game in mind, which was, as we said, a bit of a battle. We we were under the cosh a little bit at times, but managed to grind out a, another victory, primarily because of uh, the defence that, that again stood up to the plate. 
Well, there were two interesting things about the Arsenal game, I thought, from the defensive standpoint. And the first one is Rodri wasn't playing and Fernandinho came back into the role that he's performed so manfully for us for so long. But what Rodri has really offered, as I feel, is the fact that he is somewhat less ambitious than Fernandinho in possession. He doesn't bomb forward in quite the same way. He's probably given Gundogan a bit more liberty off the back of doing that. And in turn, is very, you know, with his presence, is very good at stepping in and giving the defence a bit of cover if Stones has gone off on a, gone off on a sort of a, a raid he can sort of step back in and uh, offer some cover there as well um, the other thing I thought was quite interesting on the Arsenal game is the, f- the fact we went for Cancelo rather than Walker I'd have thought that would be a game where Walker would have been a shoe in to deal with uh, Saka's pace also deal with some of the raiding runs from Tierney and that's one of the, the real strengths we've got in this defence now you know we can go for Cancelo when we really want to bomb forward down the right we've got Walker who offers a more defensive option and I think with time we'll see that in the left back slot as well you know you've got Zinchenko, who's effectively a central midfielder, who can play left back and is, you know, very good at all the possession sides of this game. But I imagine with time we might see, you know, Nathan Ake play there a bit more to offer some more defensive solidity in certain games where we're more concerned about raids down the right. So we've got a good range of options in that defence now. They've got a focal point in, um, in Ruben Diaz where you can see they're all looking to for instruction. And that's breeding the confidence that these defenders trust each other. They can rely on each other being in place. And that's giving the confidence further up the pitch, which in turn, you're getting that support coming from midfield as well in the form of Rodri so so much of that fluidity that we talk about in our attack has also come through to our defence and given us those those set of options and the ability to deal with whatever the opposition throw at us really. I was delighted to see Fernandinho back because he's, he's one of my favourite all-time City players anyway as I've mentioned a number of times but I'm interested to, to explore a little bit I think what, what Blake said earlier on Nick about kind of Gundogan and KDB both playing in the same side, which hasn't happened for a while. And your thoughts on, did they kind of, was there a a problem there? Did you see? um, What were the issues around that? Because of course, Gundogan, everything's been said over the last few weeks about the sort of the freedom he's had and, and the results that that's produced. So some issues there, did you pick up with the two of them playing together? Well, I think it was really only around the fact that KDB had come back in after a while. He was a little bit rusty and um, they just need to find that rhythm with him back in the team. I don't think there was anything more to it than that. I certainly wouldn't want to start thinking that you know there was a bit of a problem there. Um, I'd be very surprised if anything negative developed out of that. But sure, Gundogan's got a slightly adjust his game, but he got into some very good positions yesterday. He just didn't get get the finish right for you know for once in in a long time. Not a big deal, I don't think. Okay. Good to see KDB back, David. Best player on the planet last season when we've we've managed all this without him for, for the for the, the main part. Yeah. Uh, no it is good and you know game time's gonna be important for him. And um I'm surprised actually he played him where he did yesterday. But yeah it's good to have him back and um We've got, you know, good choices now, haven't we? So, you know, fingers crossed. I I also do want to say one thing. Now, you know, we've given all the players all this great credit, but you've got to give Pep his due. He has been unbelievable as a manager, what he's turned, how he's turned us around, playing two or three games a week or whatever. Here's my next question. It's Ah. it's written down. It's exactly what I want Dave to come in first, unless he was going to talk about Pep. Well, well, let me me go to my question, because it looks as though I'm prepared. And hopefully Nick Nick will, uh, Nick asks if there are any issues, and and hopefully Nick will will, uh, stand by me here and say, yeah, uh, your next thing on your list, Nigel, was about Pep, which he said he was surprised and impressed by his side, and he, he described them as brilliant. And my question is, what's he done different? Because I, I think you're absolutely right, Blake. So, so, so you kick off with that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, I mean, it, it, of course, the players are brilliant, but but this yeah. is—I've said many times—this was a season of transition. We were so far behind Liverpool. There's 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 no silver. All the things we've talked about over the weeks, and he's managed to manage them absolutely superbly. All these egos, all these great players rotating the squad. What what is it that he's well, done then, Blake's? Well, I think he's first of all worked out all their positions and who works best where. Uh, for, second of all, he went with Diaz to get Diaz in, which obviously 
Tiki must have had a, an influence in that as well. But uh, that was remarkable because there were four others in, in the mix. And I think he just wor- had a, he's worked out where they're all best at playing. And I think Rodri's has come of age. He's given Phone his chance. He's, he's moved Gundo up a bit and he's got the best out of him. And he's really got the best of all of them. And that's quite an achievement. And we always thought he's a bit... You know, sometimes with Pepe, he won't listen to anyone. But for some reason, he I think he probably has listened to him a bit. And he did admit that it was Fernandino who suggested some things. And he listened to that as well. So a bit of that. What I found fascinating, by the way, he about two weeks ago, Tommy Doyle was called out by Pep for something. Yeah, I found it. I mean, if I, I have to just say this in Pep, I found it remarkable. But um I think he does call out the young players, but not the experienced one. But he called Tommy Doyle out for one particular pass he did in a game, yeah? When when most of our experienced players never get called out for anything they do, and quite often they misplace passes left, right and centre. But he called Tommy Doyle for one thing. I thought that was quite interesting. Don't know whether you think anything of that. He wouldn't call out uh, Sterling, would he? <laughs> No, but it's, I think he's also called out Foden a bit as well, hasn't he? He's yeah, talked about him. You know, he's got to improve and so on as well. Yeah, another young it's the young well. ones, isn't it? Interesting. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Dave, your thoughts on... What I'm interested to ask is, what, what has Pep done different is actually the question I, I'm going to put to you and, and to Nick as well. What, what is it that he's done different? So, I think Pep has had... Throughout his time at City, he's had one of the best problems in the world, and that problem has been Sergio Aguero. I don't think Pep naturally thinks in terms of strikers. I don't think his natural inclination really is to play with an orthodox striker in the normal way. I mean, we saw him do it a bit at Bayern with Lewandowski, but you've got Lewandowski, so you will. And he's done it a bit at City with Sergio Aguero because you've got Sergio Aguero, you're going to use him, and you get results from him. But I still don't think it's his natural way of thinking about the game. He almost wants everyone to be a midfielder. That 4-6-0 formation we've sort of seen in the last few weeks is probably Pep's. Um, automatic choice and this season he's you know almost been you know naturally disposed to play it because Aguero has not been available to him and I think we've seen the real best of how his mentality works and how it flows so naturally through that formation because effectively we've had six midfield players who can all pop up and do different things you know Rodri does take the bulk of the defensive work but almost Gundogan has been the most natural thing we've had to a centre forward ironically in this run with him popping up in positions I'd more customarily expect Aguero to pop up in and that fluidity is a so difficult to mark I mean how do you know where to start if you're going to have to pick up a centre forward who might spend most of the game starting from a number six position or you know you've got wingers one of which is going to stay out wide and occasionally cut in the other one of which is going to move all over the place it's so difficult to mark and sort of coming on to the point with De Bruyne and and Gundogan I think they actually complement each other quite well because the runs they make are quite different and very complementary so Pep's almost worked out he's got these very different midfield players they take different positions they're all to a man technically very gifted I think man for man you'd struggle to replace many players in our first 11 with a more technically gifted equivalent at another team and what we've effectively been able to do because he has not felt sort of beholden to play a striker in the same way is he's been able to really put that fluid philosophy into a formation and in a season where a lot of players are tired there's a lot of um fatigue in the system he's been able to use that technique to really manipulate the opposition in such intelligent ways and I think it's been you know just a real testament to his philosophy that he's been able to put it on the canvas of this season with such you know effect and to to create such beautiful football at the same time what's he done differently Nick well I think what he's done differently to the rest of the footballing world this year is that he's managed to drag that squad from somewhere well below their potential. Um, And let's, you know, let's face it, they came into the start of this year, the season, days, weeks, maybe it was minutes after the end of last, last year. And over the summer last year, you know, they had one or two poor results in big games um, and they finished uh, second, a, a long way back from 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 the champions, and it, it just felt a little bit flat and 
scale. Um, and, and we started this year in very much the same way. But, but somewhere and somehow in the depths of the winter, he managed to find a formula that um, brought new, new hope to that team and literally dragged them through by hook or by crook. And you got, I think we've got to remember that the first few wins of the run that we're on, we're on now were, you know, were not perfect and were not beautiful and were not particularly pretty. They were a bit down and dirty and we were finding goals from places that we didn't really expect to find them. Um, we didn't have a striker that was really working effectively, um, but he found a way around it. And all of a sudden, coming from that, the confidence has grown, the belief has grown, and everyone can now see the real opportunity that's presenting itself for the rest of the season, which is there's a lot of things to win. Um, but I think a lot of the players, a lot of the squad didn't really feel like that at the beginning of the season. And it's perfectly understandable. And I think that's where a lot of the other teams are at. Uh, and one or two of them have had good little patches during the season, the likes of Everton and Spurs. Um, even to the West Ham et al. But none of them have been able to really sus sustain it. And most of them have really fallen away. Leicester maybe are, are still on a pretty decent run, but even they have been pretty mixed. Um, Liverpool are gone. Um, it, it, you know, so I, I think that's a phenomenal achievement from Pep. Um, and the, the whole of the, the squad and the club, because they have found the desire uh and regained it in a way that really virtually no other club has done. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Can we look back to Everton? <clears throat> I always find it a bit difficult when these games are coming thick yeah. and fast. We even, even remember that far back, but we'll give it a go. Dave, you've got a, a younger brain than most of the people on the show this week, so maybe you can remind us. Well, I think it was 3-1. Um, I think... Uh, we conceded a goal as well, Dave. Help well, us we understand did. that. What, just, just remind us what happened, please. Well, I mean, it, uh, I don't know how much the striker knew about it when it went in, but it was, uh, it was again, it was another very strong performance. Everton, you know, I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's always hard to remember Everton without the framework of how it was in sort of the, the noughties when we could not win against Everton for love nor money. And Tim Cahill always seemed to score a last minute header. So I always think of Goodison Park with a level of um, just fear. And, you know, they're, they're a good side. They've got a fantastic manager. And, you know, I thought they, they came out and gave a pretty good showing of themselves, particularly in the first half. Um, it was one of those goals, which, you know, is good wing play. And, you know, I kind of felt that we, uh, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't really anything too untoward in our defending. You just, you know, you can't not concede every game. But what was so telling about that game, you know, three goals from midfield players for Manchester City, wonderful, you know, Wonderful shot from Foden, real you know, sort of perceptions to what was going on. Did take a deflection, but, you know, it was going straight in the corner. Um, Mares again, you know, he he has one trick, but sometimes he can do it really, really well. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's unstoppable. Um, it's And, you know, he, he had one of those games where, you know, he was able to really use that as quite something. And then Bernardo, you know, we've been, we've been saying, you know, that he's been struggling to hit the heights of, of the... Uh, the season a couple of years ago where he looked like one of the best midfield players in the league. 
And I don't know quite what's happened in the last two months, but he has found his mojo. And I think at Goodison Park, it was just so clear to see that's probably his best performance since that uh, that wonderful night against Liverpool in 2019. And it was just so good to see confidence and you know confidence that he can use that unbridled technique that he has to, you know, to really sort of test opponents. And it was just, you know, it was almost like his declaring he's back to the, uh, to the, to the world's media. Uh, Blakes, can you pick up on Dave's totally unreasonable uh, and totally unfair comment that Mares has only one trick? Do you want to just deal with that first for us, please, uh, and, th- and then sort of any other comments you may have about the uh, about the Everton victory? Uh, if I'm honest, Dave's right. <laughs> He's a one trick, and, and he did use that one trick very well, and that was well well described, Dave. That's for sure. <laughs> And you're right, he is so frustrating, but when he does get that right, and he has lately, you sort of forgive him. But he is a good footballer, and, and the way he controls a ball is is magnificent. And so, you know, there's elements to his game that frustrates, and you're right, elements that are, are very good and just you can't stop him. So... You know, he's, so he's, he's got, been so pretty he's got good. Two, he's, got two, he's got two tricks then, because he can. Yeah. Trap, it doesn't matter yeah. however you ping a ball at him, whatever speed it comes, whatever height. I have to say, and I, I tweeted about it during the game, which I don't do very often, but I, it is phenomenal. I mean, his, his first touch is quite magnificent. Yeah. Nick, yeah. Nick, do you want to join in the the one trick pony Mares conversation, or do you have a slightly different view, Nick? No, when he's <laughs> when he's good, he's absolutely sublime. I, 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 but you know, it goes back to this. With it, that I thought the Everton performance was a brilliant performance. It was a it was a better, more pleasurable game to watch than the Arsenal one. I thought that you know we were playing a good team. Everton are a good team. They played pretty well. They were without their main striker, but they they played very well. They gave us a proper game. They had a shape. They had a purpose. Um, they knew what they were trying to do. And we won the game through brilliant goals. And not just the strikes that were brilliant, but the poetry in the, in the movement of the team leading up to the goals, but also across, across most of, of the game. Um, and, you know, in many ways, it was a, a more joyful watch than, than the Arsenal game three points is what it is. It doesn't matter which way you get it, but it was a great performance against a good, a good, honest team that were, at, that were trying to, to give us a really good game. Really enjoyed I guess it. the only other newsworthy bit, of course, is Sergio is back on the bench. He has been for the last couple of games. We've, we've not seen him yet. Any, any thoughts, Blake's on when we might see him? Do you think, uh, yeah. what's, what's yeah, he mean, saving him for? I, I don't know. It's all a bit odd because it's, from the observations and from what people are saying, they don't even see him warming up at the beginning of the game. And I don't know, it's all a bit odd at the moment because you wonder whether Pep actually does want to play him or gets worried that if he does play him, he's going to upset the uh, the way we play because, I don't know, it, it, it's a bit odd, isn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, Dave, I want to get Nick to start us off on the European uh uh, journey, which of course kicks off this week again. Uh, your thoughts on Sergio before I go to Nick to talk about Europe, Dave? Any 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 brief comments about Sergio and w- when maybe he should or could be reintroduced? I think there's you know there's a certain advantage to having a player like Aguero available for the Champions League. I think you know you want him around for games like that. His experience to to sort of see you through those sort of ties where you know these goals at crucial times, which have always been his stock and trade. You know he he always has something in his locker. But I think yeah, I think I think. Um, I think David's right. You know, we. Why would you dis- disrupt a winning formula, even if it is to bring your best player back? You know, I think I, I can understand completely why Pep's being cautious on this one. Okay, right, Nick. Um, you've got the job of uh, kicking us off Borussia Mönchengladbach, the Puskas Arena in in Budapest, in Hungary, of course. Eight o'clock kickoff uh, this Wednesday. Um, they are eighth in the German league. I understand they've won two of the last six games. Your thoughts ahead of, uh, of the uh, Munchen Gladbach game, Nick? Uh, I am extremely confident that we're going to beat the living daylights out of them. <laughs> Don't sit on the fence. Tell us what you really think. <laughs> yeah. You always accuse me of being really negative, so I'm yeah, telling you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on quickly gonna, before you change your mind. 
We're going to thrash him. Uh, Blake, you're Um, you're in the same camp, I hope? Not well, from what I understand, they are quite good against better side teams. And and they've got quite a good formula for stopping the better teams. I think they've slipped up more against the lower teams. I think they've had their... I think their manager's going at the end of the season to Dortmund, isn't he? And it's sort of upset their play at the moment. And it's probably put... People, you know, I think people are taking the foot off the gas a bit there, and that might help us. Um, it's going to be, it's still, it's going to be a close game. I think. I don't think we're going to batter them. Um, I still think it'll be close, and you know, we want our run to keep going. So we need, we need to be, you know, not complacent. So I think we, we, we should beat them, but it's not going to be as easy as you say, Nick. I mean, I'm always impressed with Nick's knowledge of European football and our opponents. He'll he'll tell us their formation and and, and minutes played and all sorts of stuff. He's uh, just just pin your ears back and listen to this, guys. Listen to the amazing knowledge uh, that Dave Hodgson has. Over to you, Dave. Inspire us all, entertainers and educators on Borussia Mönchengladbach. No pressure, of course, here. Well, I mean, I had a little look at their squad earlier, and it's not, you know, one of these uh, name you know, squads that's brimming with, ta- you know, names that jump off the page. There's some very good players in that squad. I mean, Marcus Taram, Dennis Zakaria are names that European football fans will probably, you know, have, will hear quite a lot about. Young players who do generally, uh, you know, have have a bit of magic in their boots from time to time. And, you know, Lars Stindl's been, you know, in that of a Germany squad for years. There's some decent players in that team, and it's definitely not a side you can take for granted. And again, you know, Marcus Wolf has been doing a pretty good job. He's caught Dortmund's eye. He's, you know, going to be going off and managing arguably the best collection of young players in Europe. You know, there's you know, there's there's a lot about this, uh, about this Borussia Mönchengladbach team to like. I think we should beat them. I think there's absolutely no doubt about that. But, you know, it's it's probably not dissimilar to the Everton game. It's a side that, it's, you know, well-drilled, well-managed and could, you know, give us a difficult tie. But something's gone wrong if we don't get ourselves through this. A question City fans are asked the whole time, Nick, so we may as well cover it now. Uh, we are by far the best team in the Premier League. Uh, are we the best team in Europe? Is this our year? Are we the best in Europe? Is this our year to win the Champions League? Sorry to ask you the question, but I'm asked at the whole bloody time, so I might as well ask you as well. Well, we have a um, a, a record that is not unenviable in the Champions League, um, and we have shown a very high tendency to basically blow it when... The chips are down. Um, we've given ourselves again a very, very good chance in the competition by building up something of a, a lead in the league, um, which obviously gives us the opportunity to play our very, very strongest team uh, in the Champions League games. Um, uh, it's it's an absolute lottery and an unanswerable question to know how we're going to do. Because clearly, you know, we've not lived up to our potential in the last two, three, four years. Uh, but there's every chance we're going to do it this year. There is certainly something, there is a definite spark in this squad. And that, I, I guess there is a difference there between where we are now as a, as a team and how we're playing versus even the, the Centurions season or 18-19 in that we've just got such momentum now and such momentum going into this key two, three months towards the end of the season, that that might just be the difference. And we've got, and in addition to that, sorry, one more uh, point, the quality of our defensive play is significantly better than it was. A I think that's the difference, isn't it? Ago. And that may, that, that is the difference. Sorry, sorry, Nick. I'm just moving on. That is the difference, isn't it? Isn't it, Blake's that that that, that yeah. defence? We, 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 you know, great sides are always built from the back, and certainly that's what you need in the Champions League. You can't be conceding the way we have in previous campaigns. Yeah, ironically, our qualifying um, league this season was probably one of our best ever when we were having our worst run in the league. So we were actually quite superb in Europe. So. Uh, and maybe just the fact that we've taken that type of form into the league um, has given us a better, you know, 
uh, a better chance in Europe this year. We've definitely got the, the a defence that can cope with some of these other these great players that we're going to come up across. Um, no one is absolutely nailing it in Europe this year, like Bayern Munich aren't nailing it like they have before, and the PSG aren't. So they're not at their very best. So it's a bit like the league when no one's really at the best. So it's there. The chance is there this year more than ever. And I think we 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 were blindsided last year we we a false security maybe thinking we were going to get through but especially that leon game so i think i think we've got we've got the makings of a european side this year so yeah there's a chance but um you know it's all about on the day now isn't it sure dave any thoughts before we move on to west ham and and fans returning to stadium stadiums before by mid-may which we'll touch on as well before we go all I'd say is, probably taking the slightly negative side of what David's just said, we were not tested in our group. We were given a, we were very lucky with our group. This is probably the first decent level test we're going to have had in the Champions League this year. It's only going to get harder from here. I still don't really like the thought of us playing PSG or Bayern Munich. But, you know, it's, it's fair. You know, I will put all, you know, I'd say every other club in this draw is going to be thinking that about us as well. So, you know, sure. best of luck to us. You know. But before we talk about West Ham at the weekend, early kickoff, 12, 12.30 kickoff on Saturday, that we, you will have seen the news that's come out today, and it looks so that 10,000 fans could return to stadiums by mid-May. Just kind of a, a reaction to that briefly from each of you before we, we talk about West Ham. Uh, Blake, do you want to just kick off on, on, on that for us? Yeah, well, it's a bit of sort of, uh, it, it's quite an interesting one because actually we play better without the fans in the grounds, haven't we? <laughs> I mean, look at the Liverpool game. So I'm not sure I want any fans back. Even Everton have been poor at home. So um, in a way, it's, it's actually quite helped us in, in many ways. But yeah, uh, I can't stand the thought of if we did get to a European final or an FA Cup final and not have any fans there would be, you know, could you imagine of all the seasons to win it this season with no fans in there would have been a nightmare. So uh, yeah. And it's great. And it just watching it with the atmosphere will make a difference. I do have to say, I've enjoyed it a lot more without the fans than I thought I would enjoy. Because I think the TV companies have done pretty well. So, uh, But yeah, it'd be good to get one back. Nick, your, your, your thoughts briefly on, on fans back in. You're looking forward to returning to the Etihad or will you continue watching on the box? Yeah, well, I've been, I, I, it, it has not been the worst season in the world. Um, you know, we've been very fortunate with the results that we've had recently that it's, you know, it's been such a pleasure to, to sit down and, and, and put the TV on and watch the, watch the game. And quite honestly, it's been a real pleasure to watch most of the games, most of the nights for the past two, three months. Uh, it's a great thing to have to uh, look forward to at the end of the day. So in some ways, it's going to be a little bit difficult to go back to not having every single match live on the TV. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm ready and waiting to um, to go back to go and watch some live games. I think much earlier on in the season, I remember talking to you, Nigel, and saying, "Well, actually, you know, it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a nice thing to have a little bit of a, a of, of a break after all these years, and you know, it'll get our appetite back." And I think that's that's certainly the case. Um, it's it's not going to be perfect with only up to. 10,000 in the ground, but it'll be good fun. And I think it'll be a good warm up and a, and a sort of rehearsal for next season, hopefully. So it'll be good fun. Dave, your thoughts? I think I'll miss my, um, my new preferred way of watching football with zero crowd noise and being able to hear the players talk to each other. I think that's been a wonderful addition. Sadly, that doesn't extend to Steve McManaman and I still have to hear him. But, uh, you know, I've rather enjoyed the, uh, the, uh, you know, ability for once a lifetime to hear, you know, the manager, the players, you know, really communicate with each other. Um, but that said, I think when I've got a, p- a pie and a pint in my hand, I'm going to feel like uh, I don't know how I ever cope without it. So let's see. <laughs> Actually, I just must say uh, one point. I'm glad I'm not, a couple of points. A, I'm glad I'm not the only one that really enjoys listening to it without the crowd noise. But on the, the, the extra bit on that is that the great pleasure, the really great pleasure is listening to the players enjoy our goals when they go in. And you really hear the, the players and the, the coaching team really enjoying and celebrating when, when we get goals, particularly when we scored those goals at Anfield. Really, really good. 
Absolutely. Listen, before we go, let's just briefly talk about West Ham uh, at home, as I say, 12.30 kickoff. Dave, you uh, give us your, your thoughts and prediction against uh, the, before the West Ham game, please. I really like the way West Ham are playing this season. I think they've got away from this. Um, you know, they always seem to hire a number of very talented players who never quite seem to gel with the team. You know, Arnautovic particularly comes to mind. You know, you've kind of got this West Ham side now, which seems to have really gelled as a unit, maybe less bigger name, bigger ego players. David Moyes has done an exceptional job of sort of forging a team there. They've quietly crept up on everyone. And, you know, I thought they put in a very good performance at the weekend. Again, I don't think this is necessarily one that we can take for granted. But again, we should we should be... Uh, I, th- I think we'll win it. But I think, you know, West Ham will come and they'll give us a game. And I certainly don't think it's going to be a walkover. Lakes, your view ahead of the uh, game? Well, first of all, I'm... I'm an avid talk sport uh, listener, but I'm sick and tired of them. They talk more about West Ham than they talk about us. So I'd like to beat them just to shut them up for once. <laughs> um, no, West Ham are good. And, uh, I, you know, I've got, you know, when we played them early in the season, that was also 12.30 on a Saturday kickoff time, wasn't it? And we didn't play too well that day and they got a draw. So um, I'm, I'm hoping we've learned a bit about them. They've got good players. And, of course, you know, Lingard being in there, the way he's playing, he wasn't in the last game. They're going to be a threat, to be honest. You know, it's not a foregone conclusion. So let's hope it's the old West Ham when we play him. The last word is yours, Nick. Uh, yeah, I, I, mean, if we, I think if we approach the game in the right way, and I think, you know, it's the same kind of way that we played that Everton game. Um, I, whilst genuinely respecting West Ham, um, I think there's every chance that we are going to win again and that we will, I would hope, if we play anywhere near to our level, um, show that we are still in a different, at a different level to the likes of West Ham. You know, they're on a good run, but as they say, form is temporary and class is permanent. I think and your score prediction for the day then, Nick, is what? Oh, I'm going to go 3-1 City. All right, excellent. Listen, thank you very much to my three guests, to Dave, not David Hodgson, to David, not Dave Blakeney, and to Nick, not Nicholas or Dave Goldstone. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.